The whole mission strip was exactly what we were about here. Um, we don't just want to be a community that comes and sits in a church building. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of coming to church and just sitting down and listening to a message preached every Sunday. Uh, I'm tired of that. Even on Friday, we had our worship night. Uh, and actually, Debriana came up to me after the worship night and was like, hey, what's wrong with you? And I literally said, hey, I'm tired of church. I'm, I'm tired of sitting in church and doing the same thing every time, listening to the same songs, the same messages. I was tired of it. You, you just get to a point where you're like, I, I'm, I'm kind of done with this. But the thing is, is that this isn't what God created. It wasn't created just for us to gather on a Sunday and not do anything else about it. That faith is not a faith at all. That faith is not thriving. That, that's, that's not a live faith at all. But God calls us to do something about it. And if you weren't here last week, Jeff preached a message on how God reaches the missionary. He, he doesn't just reach the people that um, are here and are far from God, but God calls us to be going, and as we go, He will reach us as we go. Do you hear what I'm saying? We can go and be on mission, even if there's things in our lives that we still need to work on. Because I don't know, everyone on the mission trip could agree with me when they said that they just said yes to going on this trip. But that didn't mean that their relationship with God is where they want it to be. Or they have everything in their life figured out at all. But we are just called to go, and as we go, God will continue to reach us. And so that's why I'm excited to announce uh, today we will actually be going on spring break to uh, L.A. again. So the juniors and seniors, uh, if you put up the graphic, Deb, uh, the juniors and seniors on March 25th through 29th, we are going to go back to Los Angeles. Uh, so all upperclassmen in here, it's going to be over your spring break uh, I highly encourage you guys to go. Two weeks from today, we are going to um, have our first informational meeting uh, for this trip. So it's two weeks from today, right after this service. We're going to have uh, a meeting basically talking about all that we're going to do um, there. We went last year, uh, and it radically transformed people's lives. There was several people who didn't even believe in Jesus that went on the trip and came back, and they were baptized the next day on Easter. Uh, so if you don't even believe in God here, uh, I encourage you to go because God's going to reach you. God will reach the missionary. So when you go, he will be with you, and we will be walking alongside of you. Um, so juniors and seniors, make sure to note that down. Uh, talk to your parents about it if you're interested. Two weeks from today, we're going to have um, that meeting. That sound good? You guys with me? Nod your head if you're with me. Yeah. All right. So we went through, uh, a se- we've been going through a series on the book of Acts the past three or four weeks. And uh, we're going to continue through that series. And basically, uh, we've been reading through one specific book in the Bible, uh, the book of Acts. And it's basically where the Christian church started. Uh, it's how the Christian church started. It's how this whole movement began for Jesus. Uh, it's basically how 12 guys 2,000 years ago started this movement, and you are here today in this room because of them and because of what they've done. Uh, However, today we're going to take a pause on this series. We're just going to stop this series uh, for just for today, and we're going to have an open sermon, an open message, basically where we stop uh, this series through the book of Acts and talk about something else, Um, something else that was very impactful, I know, for me and everyone that went on the mission trip uh, last week. Um, so last week, basically what we did, the Madras Foursquare Church, which is uh, the Foursquare Church affiliated with Beaverton, uh, obviously it's in Madras, and uh, their head pastor there asked me uh, several months ago if we would like to um, 
basically control and take on their service for them and serve them. And so they asked Deb to lead worship for them. They asked me to speak for them. And they asked uh, the students to be involved in the, in the service. And what we found was that uh, this, the service was incredibly impactful for the congregation there. Um, about 80% of the people in the congregation left there uh, in tears because they were so impacted, uh, not by anything Deb or I did, but what the students did in here today. And so we're going to do that. We're going to have that exact same service today. Uh, so we're putting a pause on the book of Acts, and we're going to have um, basically this open sermon today. So flip your Bibles open to Mark 5. Mark 5. I want everyone to have a Bible open. Um, Mark 5 is where we're going to be. A little context in where we're at in Scripture in Mark 5. Basically in Mark 4, uh, in the end of Mark chapter 4, because we're going to read Mark chapter 5 verses 1 through 20. In the end of Mark 4, Jesus took his disciples. The story is told that Jesus took his disciples across a lake. Many of you heard this if you grew up in church. Jesus took his disciples across a lake uh, to try to get to the other side of the lake, basically to the region of the Gerasenes. And uh, as Jesus was taking his disciples across the lake, a storm hit um, while they were uh, in the middle of this lake and waves started piling on and the, and the wind was swirling. And so the disciples started to freak out because they thought they were going to die. They thought they were going to drown. And so they decide to wake up Jesus. Jesus was sleeping on the boat at the time. They wake up Jesus. Jesus wakes up, calms the storm, and then they get to the other side of the lake. The reason why I say this is because we pick up in Mark chapter 5, verse 1, right when they get to the other side. Does that make sense? So Jesus is in a boat with his disciples. They hit a storm. Jesus calms the storm. They get to the other side of the lake where they were headed. And now we pick up in Mark 5. All right, so Mark, 5, Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Follow along with me. It should be up on the board. It says this. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue this man. So basically, this guy was so strong that it, the chains that were trying to were bounding him, they couldn't hold him. And so it says, night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, this man would cry out and cut himself with stones. When Jesus saw, when, oh, I'm sorry, when he saw Jesus, when this man saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. I'm going to pause really quick. He, it says he fell on his knees in front of him. My question is for you. I, I'm just it has nothing to do with the sermon at all. But my question is, when was the last time you fell on your knees before God? When was the last time you did that? If you have not done that in a long time, I would highly suggest it. Every time I feel like I'm far from God or that I, I, my relationship with him is, is going the wrong direction, the first thing I need to do and I'm reminded to do is fall on my knees before him. And many of you, I know that guys, I was just like, when I became a Christian, I was like, fall on my knees. I've, I've never seen my dad do that. I've never seen, why would a guy do that? Why would a guy fall on his knees before God? Right? That's what you ask yourself. But, but I'm telling you right now, you, what you need to do is fall on your knees before the God who created you. 
that's that's an that, that's more of a I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but that's more I found for me that's more of an ego thing and something a pride thing that I won't fall on my knees before God than anything else. So if you if you're like why would I do that? That's an internal check for you. Why fall on your knees before God? This guy did it. It says this, verse seven. He shouted, this guy, so he fell on his knees in front of Jesus. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. So a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. Picture this in your mind. This is a story that actually happened in history. Picture this in your mind. There's a large herd of pigs feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. Jesus gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. So those tending the pigs ran off. They saw all this, so they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, so they told people what had happened in the town. Everyone from the town heard about it, so they came to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who, who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. So they wanted Jesus to leave their region because 2,000 of the pigs there just died, basically. And that was their, for, in that time, that was one of their sources of income was those pigs. And so they were upset that these pigs, that the, the main source of income they, they died, and so they were upset with Jesus. But not only that, they were, they were freaked out because they realized that this Jesus person had a lot of power. They are like, oh, he has power. I don't know what he's going to do with that power, so I need him out of here. And so they, they convinced Jesus to leave their region. So as Jesus was getting into the boat, it says, to leave, because he was being kicked out of that region, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. So the guy who was possessed by demons begged to go with Jesus because Jesus just healed him. But Jesus, what did Jesus do? He did not let him go. But he said to this man, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, his hometowns, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity to open up your word. God, I pray that your word is just speaking to people right now. God, I I pray I'm just taking things from your word that is true. God, I pray today that the students that are going to share their testimonies today, God, I, I pray that you use their stories to change lives and impact other people in here today. Jesus, let your name be lifted high. It's in your name we pray. We all say Amen. So the title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is Your Story is Powerful. Your Story is Powerful. Today, basically, we're going to talk about testimonies. We're going to talk about the unique story that God has given each person in here today. So God's given everyone in here a story. And He's writing that story right now. 
Today he's writing that story. If you, if you picture in your mind right now, your, your life is a book. And God is continuing to fill in that book. Every story is unique, though. And so today you're going to hear 11 high school students, their testimonies, and every single one of them is different and unique in its own way. But testimonies do two things. Testimonies do two things. Testimonies reach people who are far from God. So people who are far off from God, who don't believe in God in here today, the testimonies you'll see could change your life forever. That's what happened to me at Oregon when I heard the testimonies of my football teammates. I heard their testimonies, and I was like, that, that, that must be real there. i got to look into that. So if you're in here today, you don't believe in a God, that could happen today. But also, if you're in here today and you're like, I believe in Jesus, I, I've, I've been following him, testimonies do another thing. They encourage you. They encourage you in your faith and in your walk because you see God working in someone else's life, and you're like, you're encouraged by that. You see you're that the God that, that you believe in is so much bigger than you realized. And so what is a testimony? Does anyone know what a testimony is? Raise your hand. I'm going to call on someone if they know what a testimony is. Anyone know what a testimony is? No one knows what a testimony is? No guess. Yes. Campbell. <laughs> Deb, thanks a lot. You got it. There it is. Testimony is the record of anything that God has done. Give it up for Campbell. And, and Deb. <laughs> Testimony is the record of anything that God has done in your life. It's the record of what God has done in your life. So testimonies are the most important things that we as followers of Jesus have. They're the most important thing that we have. So your story is, is the most important thing that you have. And we should never stop sharing our stories. We shouldn't stop sharing what God has done in your life. But what you see in history is this. What you see in Israel's history in Scripture, if you read through the Scripture, you see that the times where Israel starts falling into a time of backsliding, whenever they start walking away from God or turning their back on God, it is mainly because of one reason. It's because they would stop sharing their stories and their testimonies. So they stop sharing what God has done in their life, so they'd forget about it. So then when a time of trial comes, when a time of temptation comes, then they just forget all about what God has done because they, they stop sharing what he's already done. They forget. We, we're, we're people that always forget. And the thing is, is that we can, we can argue evidence for God and evidence not for God. There's people I know right now, all the people back there in the back, all the people in the back. I sat where you guys are at, all the people in the back, the back two rows. All of you guys, I sat where you guys are at, and generally it shows that you, you want something. You want evidence for God. You want, you want to show me something. Show me, show me evidence for God, evidence for Jesus, evidence for the resurrection. And we can look at it, and that's what led me personally to Jesus is the evidence for it. But the thing is, you'll always see people arguing on that, on those topics. Always. See, the, the evidence can be there. It can be right in front of you. No matter what argument it is, people always choose different sides. But the thing people can't argue about is your story. People can't argue against your story. You, I, I can share my story and be like, no, 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 you don't understand. This is what God has done in my life. This is what he's done in my life. And really, there's nothing that anyone in here can say about that. Because that's what he's done in my life. Does that make sense? I can, I can share. I can be like, hey, here's the evidence for God. Here's the evidence not for God. This is what I look at. That's why I think it's reasonable to believe in a God and believe in Jesus and believe he is the Lord and Savior. 
We can look at that, but they can look at the little over here and be like, oh, well, that, oh, this doesn't make sense, though. But then I can be like, well, this is my story, too. And this is what he's done in my life. And there's nothing anyone can say about that. So testimonies, you guys, they're the most powerful tool that God has given all of us to impact our world. And wait, I'm sorry, the most powerful tool that God has given all of us to impact our world is the power of what Jesus has done in our life. So it's the most powerful thing that we have. But the, we always forget what God has done. Like I talked about all throughout Scripture. The story of Scripture in Israel is, is that they would forget. They'd stop sharing what God has done. And so they would start falling away from God. That's, that's, this, that's a narrative of Scripture for the most part, in Israel's history. So they'd fall away from him. And that generally tends to be my story as well. Right? We, 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 we don't stop and realize the things that God is doing in our lives, so we forget about it. Like when we pray, when you're praying to God, and God answers a prayer, you usually check it off the box and move to the next thing, right? Rather than stopping... And maybe writing down what God did to answer that prayer. And then moving on because then you always remember what he's done. Because God is on a daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly basis. He's answering prayers. He's moving in your life. And he's moving in the lives of people around you. But the th- what I'm the worst at is stopping and remembering that. The reason why we need to stop and remember that is because when a time of trial comes... When a time of temptation comes, when a time where you don't feel the presence of God or you don't hear God and you come to church and you're, it's just blank slate, you're not feeling it or you go to camp and you're just like, I didn't feel God at camp. I hear that all the time. I didn't feel God at camp. That happens to pastors. That happens to us all the time. But the thing is, if we're not remembering all that God's doing in our lives and writing it down and being a people who stop to realize that and recognize that, then when the time of trial comes, when dad is diagnosed with cancer, a tragedy hits, or you become ill, you forget all that God has done, so then it's easy for you to walk away from God. So let's be, we need to, I'm going to challenge you right now to be a people who stop, a people who stop and write down and this is, I'm challenging myself because I'm terrible at this. I'm terrible at this. People that stop and write down things in, that you see or things that you experience yourself that God has done. An answered prayer, a miracle, or something you experience, a, a missions trip, or just one time you feel like maybe the Holy Spirit spoke to you and encouraged you. Or spoke through someone else, spoke through Deb, spoke through, in worship, spoke through me, spoke through anyone around you. Write that down so then, then when the time of trial comes, because it's going to come, when it comes, you can remember what God's done. So back to the scripture. I have three basic points, three points from scripture that we just read in Mark 5. Three points. The first point is this. Write this down if you're taking notes. Testimonies are not just talk. We're, all, we're talking all about testimonies, all about your story today. Testimonies are not just talk. In verse 15 of what we just read, it said this. It said, When they, the people from the town, came to Jesus, listen, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. So people saw this guy. This guy before was was possessed by demons, it says. And it says that they right when they walked in to see this guy, 
They just saw him and noticed something was different. They, it did not say that this guy started talking at all. It just said that they walked in and they saw this guy sitting right where you guys are sitting. And they're like, there's something different about him. So my point is, testimonies are not just talk. It's not just what you say that's a testimony for Jesus. Right now, right now, how you're acting right now is a testimony to God. That's a testimony to God. Everything you do, wherever you go, how you treat people, how you treat the peers, how you worship, every single thing, your life is a testimony to God. And it should be testifying to someone. Is it testifying to you? Or is it testifying to your faith? So your life is a testimony to Jesus. Testimonies are not just talk. Jesus says in John 13, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Right? Jesus does not say, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you talk about me. Right? If you say something about me. It's not what's just what you do with your mouth. It's a testimony to Jesus. It's, it's how you live your life. So first, that's my first point. Testimony are not, is not just talk. The second point is this. Go home. That's my second point. Go home. At verse 18 says, As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. You've got to imagine this. It's like if Jesus performed a miracle in your life, I'd be like, yes, Jesus, I just want to follow you. I don't know what's going on. I don't, I don't want to go home. I don't want to go back to where I was from and what I was doing and how I acted before. But, Jesus, I want to follow you because you just performed a miracle. So this guy was like, Jesus, I want to go with you. But Jesus did not even let him go but said, go home. Turn to the person next to you and say, go home. Go home. <laughs> Everyone leaves. Everyone gets up and goes. So, hey, Jesus says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Jesus, listen here. Listen up, you guys. Jesus tells this guy to go home to his own people. He doesn't say go on a missions trip to Los Angeles. He doesn't say go on a mission trip to Madras. He doesn't say go and be a missionary across the world in a third world country. Jesus tells this guy to go home to his own people. But we miss this all the time. You see, we tend to travel to a missions trip in at Los Angeles or travel across the entire world to go be on mission. But we won't be on mission where God's actually calling us to go. And that's at home. We won't be on mission here. Don't get me wrong, I, I believe in mission trips. I, I, I believe in the power of them, obviously. We went on one, we're going to go on another one. I believe in them. But we can't miss where God's placed us here. God's placed us to not go on a missions trip, but ha- actually have a mission life. So if you went on a mission trip to Madras, and you went and cut wood for hours and hours and delivered to homes, and you saw all these things, and yet you come back here and you're not changed, I think God will start to call you out. I'll be honest. Because we're not called to go on a missions trip. We're called to live a missioned life. God's placed you here for a reason. And that's why, right when I got back, I got texts 
from Bree. I got texts from Bree. I got texts from Sean. I got texts from a lot of these people that went on the mission trip, and they, they texted me and said, Hey, Hayden, I, I feel like God's calling me to uh, serve the homeless in our community. At our, in our city. And so Bree at Southridge High School, along with Josh and many other people at Southridge, have started a fundraiser, basically, where they're uh, having people in their school donate winter clothes to them. So then they can then uh, hand it out to the people in our community, in our home. Right? We're called to be here. We're called to serve. Because I don't know about you, but I know there's people here, homeless, starving, and who don't know about Jesus sitting Right across the block. And yet we're going to go home to our own homes and have a nice Thanksgiving dinner with our families in a warm home. But we think we just need to be on mission in L.A. No, no, God's calling you to be on mission here. That's my second point. Go home. Third and final point. Your story can change lives. Your, your personal story can change lives. Each person in here has a story that God has given you, Right? You all have a unique story. It's, it's unlike anyone else. It's unique to you, and God's given you that story. And that story can change someone's life. The entire movement for Jesus, it, it started with people testifying about what Jesus has done in their life and what they witnessed in the resurrection. That's how this Christian movement has started and, and continues to spread. It's about testimonies. So I'm going to invite up uh, the worship band, Deb, and the entire worship band up, and also everyone else that will be sharing their testimonies just to be ready. Um, testimonies, you guys, it, it changed my life, and it will change other people's lives. Me hearing the testimony of my friends, it, it started to draw me, and, and God started to work on my heart through their story. So your story, if you're in here today and you're like, I believe in Jesus, but I don't know how to even witness to people, all you have to do is share your story, your unique story that God has given you, and that can start to tug on people's hearts. I know there's miraculous stories all over this place, but God can continue to use your unique story to change people's lives. You see, the word testimony in Hebrew, which is the Old Testament, the word testimony, the root word of that means do again. It means do again. Say do again. Do again. That's the root word of testimony in Hebrew. So every time you share your testimony, it comes with God's covenant to repeat that miracle. Or you hear a testimony, it comes with God's covenant to repeat that miracle. So if God's done it in my life, he can do it in your life. If he's done it in your life, he can do it in your friend's life. Does that make sense? It comes with God's covenant to repeat that miracle. Every testimony is God-breathed and contains power. What God does for one, he will, he'll do for another. He'll do for someone else. And I see people in here today where God has reached in the past six months because of other people's testimony.